Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. Welcome to the Women in Tech Weekly Remix episode. Three, two, one. My name is Esprit Devora, host of the Women in Tech show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create the Women in Tech show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. This is Karen Green, co-founder of Greenland Creative, where we blend old tech and new tech, most recently in our iOS app, Inkle Designer 123. We are based in Orlando, Florida. Sure. So Inkle is a very specific niche part of weaving. It is woven bands that are anywhere from like a shoelace to a guitar strap in width. And so our app is to design the patterns, and then to keep track while you're weaving them. So very niche. And when did you get involved in that? I taught myself to knit when I was 18 years old, taught myself out of a book. But I didn't learn to crochet until 2013. And in 2014, I learned to spin and to weave. And then when I started weaving, I went to a local guild. And that's when I found out about inkle weaving. I didn't know anything about inkle before. So that's how I started with weaving. So you have this like balance of a a really healthy, robust offline life and online life. What does your online life look like? I started building a website. The first one was about my personal blog, 2013, which was really just put WordPress on it, pick a theme and just start weaving uh, and just start writing. Um, And then in 2018, the State Weaving Guild, they said, we need to redo our website. And their website looked like something out of 1998. So you really couldn't. You couldn't help but improve that. Right. And I was like, oh, I can do that. How little, how much I didn't know that I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> and so I did what I knew, which was to put WordPress on it, put a theme on it, and start like creating some content. But they really needed so much more than that. And that's what has driven me for the last two years to learn more and more about WordPress and websites and how they go together and in order to make that site functional. And now it's a it's a membership site. I've, I've built registration for events. We have used third-party software for some of that, but I did for our virtual event in in 2021 build registration on the website. So I've come a long way and it's all because it all started with the low tech that brought me into the higher tech. And how did you learn in the beginning? Because I imagine it was pretty daunting. So how did you keep going on those moments where you felt like you wanted to pull your hair out? (laughs) Well, see, one of the things I very much love about WordPress is what a great community that it is. There's so much great information. And one of my superpowers is learning. I'm, I'm very good at figuring out how things work. And so I spent several months, like three or four months, just sort of going in a circle, trying to figure out what is it do I do I even need to know? 
Like, what are all the pieces that go into a website? What are all the options for those pieces? I started going to two local WordPress meetups. Mm. Plus, I found a bunch of resources online. Just from meetup.com? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's how I found them in the first place. Um, it's one of the things I really love about the Word, WordPress world is th- there's so many local meetups all over the world. And and during the pandemic, many of them have gone online. So even if you don't have a local group to you, um, you can join them online. And many of them have been recording their sessions and you can find them on YouTube and stuff. So The WordPress community to me is amazing, and it's really how I have learned. Hi, this is Jennifer Smith. I'm CEO and co-founder of Scribe. We are based in San Francisco. We are a technology company that offers free software to make it easy to share what you know how to do. I think for me, uh, uh, there were there were maybe two components. One one is not really knowing what I wanted to do. <laughs> I followed this, you know, follow the smartest, most curious people, and and that led me into some really great rooms, right? Whether that was in consulting or in venture capital, and and the wonderful people that I got to meet. It wasn't until, and I'm kind of ashamed to admit this, it wasn't until my early 30s that I actually stepped away and asked myself the question for the first time, not. What do I think would be really important to do? What do I think that would be, you know, um, really prestigious or interesting? But what do I want to be doing? <laughs> what What is actually important to me? What do I want my legacy to be? As cheesy as it sounds, I sort of started to hit that point in my life where I said, like, how do I have this matter beyond myself? And so asking myself those sets of questions led me on a radically different path. And, and that's what led me to founding Scribe because I realized to me, I wanted to be part of building something that endured beyond me, something where I could work with a group of humans and, and be part of something that, you know, hopefully ended up being bigger and, and beyond me. And that ended up taking the shape of founding Scribe. And I, I think the other thing for me has been finding how do I do that in my own way and my own path. I've had a lot of great mentors and and coaches and and people who have supported me, especially, you know, early in my career they all had very particular ideas about the way that I should show up at work and present myself, right? Whether that's making sure that I smile so I seem less aggressive or um, wearing certain clothing so that I seem older and more conservative. Um, All these sort of micro instances where I really changed and tried to shape the way that I showed up to try to fit the norms of the place that I was in. And I think as I've gotten older, I've realized now that I, I actually like lost a little bit of those were those very well-intentioned advice, but I feel like I lost a little bit of strength and power in thinking too much about what the external perception of me was rather than saying like, what am I actually quite good at? Like, what is it that I should lean into and focus on for myself? Like what, what's my own power and what's that worth and how can I turn that into a career? Can you dive into that more? Because I think that's so important. How did you discover that? Like, how do you get there? (laughs) I had a professor in business school who asked what I now realize was quite a provocative question. And at the time, I have to admit, it sort of like blew over my head, but it it stayed with me enough that I now revisit it often. and And I like to share it with others. He said, find the thing about yourself that you keep apologizing for and turn it into your strength. Make it the thing that you shape your life around. 
So for me, I am obsessed with efficiency. <laughs> if you were to ask, you know, my husband is an example, like one, what is one of the things that drives you crazy about Jennifer? He would say, Jennifer is always trying to pack as many things into as short of amount of time as possible. She always wants to find the most efficient Pareto efficient way to do things. Like I, I studied economics. I'm really into efficiency. And I always have to apologize to people for it. And so for me, Scribe is, is all about improving people's efficiency. And so I found a way to, to build an entire company around that. But I think it's a really important idea because, you know, I know previous workplaces that I've worked at, you know, 20, 15, 20 years ago, the mentality was very much, let's make you well-rounded. So you're good at this and this, and you're not so good at, you know, you're, you're great at um, communications and presentation skills. You know, you're not so great at the quantitative analysis. So we're going to find ways to make sure you get a lot of quantitative analysis so you get better at it. I think that's absolutely the wrong approach. And actually, if you look at like what a lot of those training programs look like, they have switched now to instead focus on the thing you're good at. You're really good at presentation and communication skills. Let's make sure you find many opportunities to present to people. Like, let's put you front and center. Let's make sure that you're doubling down on the things that you're really great at, because that's how you're going to get to be world class at something, right? It's not by getting better at the things that you're not so great at. It's about finding the things that you uniquely spike at and figuring it out how you build your day, your week, your life, your career around those particular things. And often those can be the things that you apologize for, the things that, you know, maybe um, are really unique to you that are quite different. But the fact that it's different means it's special and probably means if you apply it in the right context, it actually can be worth quite a bit to, to you and to the world. This is Rebecca Jones, founder of Hire and Old, where we are opening up the conversation about ageism and tech. I'm located in London, UK. One, completely heart-centered. Um, mm, and what I mean by that language. is that, <laughs> yes, my language as well. So what I've learned um, in the startup experience that I had, which I'm very, very grateful for, again, allowed me to pivot, et cetera. There were some things about the culture that I wanted to improve on in my next role. So I said, okay, I want to hear from each person I interview with it, you know, something about the the culture that knows that it's, you know, there's um, safety to make uh, mistakes, to be your, you know, bring your whole self to work, but also that they're concerned about well-being. And I wanted to know how they took care of their staff during uh, lockdown and what their views were on remote working. But most importantly, well, one something is very close to my heart is diversity. So what does their leadership team look like? So I heard about the role through... Uh, there's a, a women in fintech group here in the ecosystem in London. And so I uh, knew their head of product um, through that group. And she um, had introduced me to Kama um, as a concept and as, uh, as a business and an opportunity to apply. But so she's on the leadership team. So it's unusual to have a female head of product. So that's fantastic. The COO is a female. And so it wasn't just this stale, pale male or this tech bro, you know, cast of characters. Hashtag not all men, not all tech bros, but you know what I mean? Like for me, it was important that from day dot, that it was a leader, that the founder that said, it's important for me to have diversity in the leadership team from the very beginning, rather than an afterthought when they're trying to do, you know, fundraising and they, and they may have some questions around diversity. So that shows me a commitment there. And then two, the conversations were less about, they were very much about, oh, I, I took a day, a mental health day because I could feel I could feel that burnout approaching. Um, so to say that very openly and not in a 
it wasn't in a sales pitchy way. It was merely a like, I'm going to reschedule that because I'm going to take a, a mental health day. I thought that was pretty cool. That is really cool. Throughout your career, what has been a huge obstacle you've successfully overcome and how did you overcome it? So I would say my biggest obstacle that um, I overcame that really, really helped me was to finally take a chance and challenge people in more senior positions, even if that meant I broke, you know, some understood social rules or hierarchy rules, or even if I look stupid or or got that challenge back, because I realized that um, I was doing well in my career, but I would I would sort of plateau for a while. And, and you know, my managers, I would always get great reviews, et cetera. But they would they would talk about how I needed to build my influence with senior stakeholders. And what I was able to pinpoint is that what would happen is I would I would actually be able to I would get in the room, I would have a seat at the table, and then I wouldn't say anything, which is a squandered opportunity. So it would be that, you know, someone that I perceived as being that I couldn't challenge, i.e., you know, an SVP or ahead of this or ahead of that, they would say something and I would in my mind I'd be like, no, that won't work because of, or gosh, I wonder if they've considered this angle. And I I wouldn't say anything or, I, or I'd only pluck up enough courage by the end of the conversation and then the moment had passed. So once I forced myself, I just had to give myself really <laughs> bite-sized, um, you know, I'd have to pluck up the courage and then um, give myself bite-sized goals to say, okay, in the next executive committee, in the next exco, I'm going to make two comments. I'm going to reply to someone when they say, how does that sound? Or they open the floor and to come prepared with a question. So just so that I can start to feel comfortable speaking and pushing back. And that did help. So by the end of, you know, three months, they were used to me speaking. And then by that time I built up enough momentum and courage to then start challenging. And there were some times when I felt I would leave and feel embarrassed and kind of feel my cheeks be hot because I would say, well, have you thought about this? And they would say, yes, of course, X, Y, Z. So then I felt kind of stupid, stupid, right? But at the same time, that actually helped me because later, you know, I would get the feedback like they like that you're thinking that way or or trying to see two steps ahead or, you know, it really did help me. Um, but it took a long time for me to get there longer than it should. The Women in Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora, With help from Janice Geronimo. Edited by Corey Jennings. Production and voiceover by Adam Carroll. And music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The Women in Tech podcast is a wearetech.fm production. Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener, go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.